Good day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. We're glad to have you here with us. My name is Jonathan, and I actually have in person in the studio with us, I have uh, Jeremy Keaton. And so, Jeremy, welcome to the program. Jonathan, it's good to be sitting here with you. Love Be Broken Ministries, and can't believe I'm behind the microphone with you. Yeah. Now, uh, Jeremy is, um, what's the official title? The Senior Director of Counseling Services at Focus on the Family. And so, uh, and and also you're on our board, and so it's just exciting to have you here um, to talk about this this book that you've co-written with uh, Joanne Condy. Right. And uh, listeners, I'm gonna uh, or viewers, I'm gonna put this up to the camera. It's called Aftershock, and the subtitle is Overcoming His Secret Life with Pornography: A Plan for Recovery. And so, this is a resource for wives who've gone through sexual betrayal trauma. Um, And so first, why don't you share a little bit about how, you know, how you and Joanne, first of all, are connected, Mm -hmm. and then what was the impetus for writing this book? Yeah, quite a story. Um, People that know Focus on the Family, where I've worked for nearly 20 years, know that we, as a longstanding ministry uh, on a a lot of Christian content, we um, have had for years a counseling consultation phone line. So I lead the team of about 18 folks who consult with people. When they want a trusted um, voice to speak into their lives, they call 1-800-A-FAMILY, and we get the privilege at Focus on the Family of talking with about 1,500 callers a month, if you can wow. believe that. We we have 1,500 completed conversations, and we, we cover everything from pornography addiction uh, to the basics of potty training. I mean, we like and everything yeah. in between. And uh, Joanne Condy, my uh, dear colleague, now retired, uh, had for some time uh, on our phone lines been speaking with women. She's a registered nurse, a licensed professional counselor, and uh, we encounter so much, as you know, it's why I'm so supportive of, of Be Broken Ministries. We encounter so much sexual brokenness and need for somebody to hear and to listen and to help in that moment of shock, thus the the name Aftershock for the book, when something has begun to fall apart and, and the emotions are a, a complete, you're either frozen or, or you're angry, all the things that come with um, revelation of infidelity or pornography use. That's what Joanne was working with on our phone lines and saw so much of it within the body of Christ. And she began to, she was encouraged to, to write some things that would help and, and help us on our phone calls, and then I came along as her colleague, as a male colleague, helping men with recovery, and professionally, we kind of merged traffic um, together, did some work together, and I helped finish the book right after she retired, and so it has a, a real respect for men in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm co-writing behind her words and, and with her, even though it's written mostly in Joanne's voice, and so it is basically... What we want to guide people to do when they call Focus on the Family, how do you intervene, how do you start, how do you deal with your emotions, how do you draw some boundaries, and what is the hope? That's what this book captures. Yeah, and I really I really appreciate Joanne and the work she's done because uh, actually when we were doing our workshops, our Gateway to Freedom workshops for men in the Colorado area, um, uh, we had her a couple times come out to address the men. Yep. And kind of give this female perspective on, hey, let's talk about what's really going on in a woman mm-hmm. who's trying to, a wife who's trying to recover from this. And uh, I think it was real, those were always very eye-opening times for these men because 
um, I think sometimes, like you said, when when the the truth about whatever has been hidden comes out, and mm-hmm. when it's discovered, there's pornography, or there's other some other kind of sexual brokenness there. Um, there is a tidal wave of devastation emotionally, psychologically mm-hmm. that can happen, even sometimes physically in yes. terms of the response there. Can you describe, like, take us through where a woman would, where this book would start yep. in terms of helping women and maybe kind of give us sort of the overview. And then maybe we might highlight a few key elements in right. there that would help our listeners. Yeah. It, the book will, will meet wives right where they are. Um, which is your your raw emotions right at the beginning. Uh, that's usually where we were experiencing people on our phone lines that focus on the family is that emotional aftershock, um, hours, moments, weeks, uh, that aftershock period. And so I'll just walk through where the stepping stones of this book, if if um, your listeners pick this up, where, where it will, will take them. So Aftershock is the first chapter, really telling stories that can uh, relate to the reader. They're going to feel like, oh, I'm not the only one. Mm-hmm. Oh, this, there's elements of this story that are different, but there's elements of the story that are the same. So there's high empathy here. So then we look at ca- uh, emotions, feeling. What are you feeling? How do you sort through what's normal to be feeling? Then you're thinking. Well, what, how have you thought about this problem? What are the mm-hmm. thinking errors? What are the helpful ways of thinking? Then we go to doing. So feeling, thinking, doing. How do you do for yourself? How do you take care of yourself as a wife? And then understanding. How do you understand what has happened? Why did he? Why? Why did he do this? Why? Why has he done this? Um, also, then the planning. Okay, how do I intervene? What, what are the the paths? that I need to plan? And then how do I act on those? How do I intervene? How do I draw that boundary? How do I deliver that message? Right? And then we begin to preview in the book some of the work of recovery. This isn't a recovery workbook that takes you through all of recovery. It's Mm -hmm. really, it loads the process at the front, empathizes, and then says, here's what a thorough recovery looks like. Now go pursue this. Then we also cast a vision of as you're recovering and once you do recover, there is a new sexuality. There's a new way of looking at your relationship. There's a vision that we cast near the end of the book. Yeah, and I, I love the, uh, I really do like the title because as as I think of what Aftershock uh, connotates, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, my dad was actually in an earthquake and I've, I've I've known some people that have been in earthquakes. And there is that moment after the the initial tremors yes. cease that you are paralyzed because mm-hmm. because there's that fear of like well is it actually over right uh, what's going to happen next and it sounds to me like what you guys are trying to do in this book is help a woman who's in that paralytic yep. state of how, how do I keep going forward can we can we jump a little bit to the piece I mean I want to come back to some of the feeling thinking doing that. But I think one of the big questions that a wife has at first is there's so many questions surrounding, like, why did he do this? Trying to understand the the brokenness as it manifests in her husband and then the effect that it's had on her. Can you share a little bit about what you guys try to unpack or help a wife? Because that to me feels like one of the most paralyzing things for a wife is this idea of, uh, well, how do I... How do I guard against this happening again? Same thing mm-hmm. like an earthquake of going, mm-hmm. 
is this going to happen again? Like, what do I need to prepare? What do I do now? Because if another tremor comes, right. I don't know if I can handle it. Right. Well, we start, as you say, on the emotions and the thinking, because you, you really have to do that self-care and understand yourself as the wife before you can really process the information that we have to offer about why he may be doing what he does because you can't even think very well. So it's hard to, to process learning while you're in a panic. But with that said, since you want to, let's jump to that though in this discussion, um, that really getting underneath to the roots of this, not just being a behavior management, I'm going to mm-hmm. try harder approach. That's been said many times on this podcast. You have to you have to look at what is my sexual story? What is my sexual history? That's what men have to understand. Where, uh, where did this come online? And usually, I mean, we know early exposure, um, y- your own testimony that you've bravely shared mm-hmm. with us on the Focus program talks about that early expo- exposure. And then uh, we now know por- uh, pornography is basically, in this current generation, the sexual educator of our culture. Mm-hmm. And so there are some roots that come from early exposure as well as um, personality type where there may be a tendency to shy away from intimacy what we call in the book intimacy disorder. So you can have some emotional skill deficits that pornography fits together with like a puzzle piece because it is a false intimacy, but we're made for intimacy, right? And so you've found a way, a man has found a way, um, usually not even necessarily consciously chosen. It's evolved in his life where pornography becomes a false intimacy because he is lacking sometimes in some other intimacy skills that he's made for, and it short-circuits that relationship system. Well, and I think one of the things in there, though, that I would love to maybe unpack a little bit is is how do you address or do you address in the book um, the idea of as a wife is seeking this, this personal healing that she needs, mm-hmm. like you said, there's emotional work and there's thinking work and, and then things to do for self-care, um, what does that look like for her in while she's doing that, establishing the healthy boundaries in terms of what the connection is like with her husband while he is or is not working on his own right. recovery? Because, I mean, every, every situation is different, but, you know, we'd love to point towards the ideal, right, where, you know— husband repents mm-hmm. and now he's full throttle into mm-hmm. recovery and you know becoming a transformed man but but there's a wide array of those who maybe go full in on recovery those who go toe in on recovery and those who don't go in right. on recovery so how does a wife how do you help a wife establish the boundaries that she needs for her own healing well the first thing we say is the the only thing you can control is you, but you do have a powerful influence. And the source of that influence, oddly enough, isn't best uh, asserted directly on him. Mm-hmm. It's the, the best way to have influence is for him to observe you taking this very good care of yourself and then laying some, we call them three non-negotiables, right, to get recovery started and then see what he does with them. But they're called non-negotiables for a reason. They're not something you can compromise on. You have to say, there are three things I need to see. And I don't, I don't know um, how you'll choose to proceed with these. I'm going to be taking care of myself, guarding my heart, 
praying for our marriage. I, I, I think these are redemptive steps, but I have to uh, observe whether you're going to do these three non-negotiables and have her present those. They're in the book, but the first is there needs to be some immediate good faith efforts to draw some boundaries around whatever your acting out behavior was. Mm -hmm. If it was uh, habitually, you know, pornography you're linking to through social media, maybe that's the jumping off point and that's the pattern, then getting off of social media platforms and letting me know that you're making those boundaries, step one, or if it was an affair at the workplace that you're uh, asking for a reassignment or resigning that job and coming up with another place where you're not exposed to your acting out scenario. So some immediate boundaries. And number two is that you will share this with another man that uh, shares your values and that Mm -hmm. will walk with you in this. And part of sharing with another man or men is that you will also be in a professional um, support group or a group that specializes in this spiritually, a recovery group. And then number three is that you'll be in specialized professional counseling to get to the roots, not merely, you know, say, you know, I'm so sorry and I, I don't want to do this again. And kind of that, that the promises that you'll change your behavior. We really want to look under the hood of the engine and look at what's really been making this run for whatever period of time, a year, two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, what's been making the engine of this sexual story run. And, and so those three things, presenting those and then stepping back and, and investing in yourself for a wife in all the ways that it takes to be healthy as you wait for those responses. And then you make decisions. You get support if those don't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, and I think those are fabulous uh, non-negotiables to have. I think, um, you know, I can I can imagine as I try to kind of step into the the life of a a wife who has faced this. Um, I I can imagine how uh, empowering that can feel, while at the same scary time too. also really really scary. Yes, right, and so. Talk a little bit about the kind of support that's going to need to be around that wife mm-hmm. as she's seeking to, um, you know, establish these non-negotiables right. with her husband. Because I imagine if she, if I don't want our, I don't want wives out there to to maybe necessarily hear from us that we have this expectation that she's walking a path alone. Right. So can you share a little bit about? Yep. That. The most important thing, too, as you're you're learning to sort out your emotions, your thinking, your shock, is that you don't go it alone. That a wife finds a wife's support group. Obviously, one reason I invest my extra heart and time with Be Broken is I believe in what you're doing through the wives group here and then other ministries where the wife can get help being on the path of her being who she wants to be in the midst of this situation she didn't choose, but that she has influence in. And so for her to uh, be understood, um, to also be challenged, because in many ways there's two there's two sides of the road, the ditches on the side of the road that, that wives can sometimes go to. Now, these are big categories, right? So I'm giving a generalization, but mm-hmm. there's generally the path of passivity, um, where on one side extreme she's feeling 
like she has no power and she's passive and she's not taking any action. And then the other side of the road would be extreme aggression mm-hmm. or anger that, and again, both of these things have reasons. Mm-hmm. They're very understandable. Um, but the aggression side, but it's a self-protection mechanism. She's so angry and it may even trip her up into some uh, self-righteousness in a way that it's all, it's it's completely, um, um, she has nothing to change in the marriage herself. What we're trying to do is get in that middle road of, a, of assertion. Mm-hmm. And and so she needs help being assertive, empowered, not passive, nor to aggressive, but assertive, like with these three non-negotiables. Yeah, and I think I mean I think actually both of those ditches have a self-protective they do element to them, they whether do. passive or aggressive. And and really, she deserves a lot of empathy wherever she's because I'm mean, again she's she's trying to drive this car, and it's very easy to go off on either ditch, maybe different ditches in different mm-hmm, days. Right. And so the kind of help, back to your question that she needs, is that dignifying strength that says, I'm going to stay in the center lane. I'm going to be assertive. I'm not going to be passive. I'm going to be humble. I'm going to pray. I'm going to assert for the hope of my marriage. So with that, it might be a good segue to kind of go back to the beginning. Uh, I know we kind of got, I, mm-hmm. I kind of got the cart before the oh, horse, but, okay. but I love to, I love to talk about that. But um, going back to like the, the feeling, the thinking and the doing, as I'm hearing you say about this idea of assertiveness, one of the things that pops into my head, that's a super normal, actually there's two, to, at least in my mind, really, really common emotions that a wife will be bouncing back and forth in um, when the shock occurs. And that is fear and anger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thinking about even in trying to be assertive, there's a fear there because um, if you think about it, both spouses, if they're going to be traveling towards wellness as individuals, not even in their marriage, as individuals, there are risks that they have to take. Even in the self-care that a wife needs to, there's a risk because part of self-care is she needs other women in her life. Well, that means she's got to be vulnerable with yes. her story. Yes. She's got to share this and brokenness. And she's carrying a, oftentimes a lot of shame mm-hmm. or self-blame about this story. And so it's hard for her to begin to share, why do I have to do this? I didn't cause this crash. And to to wives that are out there and, and you know, in the couples therapy that I've done, and it's why I love working with Joanne, um, is that wives need to hear um, that she is worth it. Mm-hmm. She is worth the investment in herself. And for many men, they know at some level they've neglected that or didn't have the skills to do that. And when they see you as a wife investing in yourself, um, as well as saying, I'm going to believe in you enough to draw these boundaries, they may not be comfortable, but I'm going to call you out to your best. That's why I married you that that man can begin to be he'll he'll he can begin to be responsive to that he can step up to that because he sees you treating yourself um with the care and the dignity that you're worth mm-hmm. yeah so let's talk a little bit about the just some of the the key emotions that that you try to help a wife in yep. this book sort of get grounded in mm-hmm. or really really mm-hmm. deal with Talk about that. Yeah. Uh, we we highlight the big categories of emotion, glad, mad, bad, sad, afraid. And obviously, in this scenario, we're probably not talking a lot about glad, right? Right. And we, we talk about slowing down 
and actually just getting in touch with the emotion and realize that emotions are like the lights on the dashboard like of the car. Yeah, yeah, they're the signal. And you can then read that emotion or read that signal, feel it, and then also not only behind fear is often or behind anger is often a secondary emotion. So we just slow people down and say, what's your first emotion? Then how do you interpret that emotion? Mm-hmm. And we help. We have some journaling prompts for that. So um, primary emotions, secondary emotions, what do you feel? What are you feeling automatically? Then a lot of times we're trained in our family of origin to not feel certain things. And so then we'll start to push them down. And when we push them down rather than act appropriately on them, on the dashboard light, then we get other dysfunctions. So we're helping them feel, be okay with feeling, not panic about it, journal some about it, and then interpret that feeling. And then how do you want to manage it? How do you want to steward it? Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're doing in that chapter of our book. And when when you, when you work through those e- emotions, and I think some of the things that we probably should say here as well, while some of what you've described even just going through the the chapters, um, it can feel very linear. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably important yeah. to realize it's more bouncing it around. All it's all sort of intertwined and overlapped. Right. So when when you're breaking apart emotion, thinking, doing, I think it's important that you realize it's more like this. Yeah, you've you've created chapters to help us understand this, but in how you experience it in life, it's sort of you know you're you're. You're juggling it all at the same time. And that's why being with a support group of women whose brain and emotions are, are, are working in a way they can connect with each other, that's going – what you're saying right there is going to be affirmed uh, in the conversation of a good wife support group that, oh, your brain is struggling mm-hmm. with this spaghetti bowl of, of things all at once too. And sometimes just not feeling alone is like half or more of the, the battle because especially in um, our – Faith as Christians, many times, unfortunately, we we are are not dealing with sexual issues in the church, and you do feel so isolated yeah. and alone and ashamed. So in the book, when you're talking about thinking, what are some of the key elements that you're trying to help a wife think through and, and really kind of solidify her thoughts in certain areas? Because, again, she can feel so scrambled mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and all over the place. So what are the, the key elements yeah, you're we, focusing on? Yeah, we go through five big categories of thinking styles. And uh, I'll just name them and then uh, preview them, and then we try to unpack and help them see how how that thinking style won't serve you well. Here's the alternative, mm-hmm. the more productive way. So denial, okay, uh, not facing things. And then we – category two, rationalizations. There are rationalizations why we kind of hold on or allow these things to continue. And then we talk about, thirdly, all-or-nothing thinking, extreme thinking that we get caught in, rigid thinking. Then this kind of uh, big category of ANTS, A-N-T-S, Daniel Amen uses that acronym, Automatic Negative Thoughts. So sort of a doomsday thinking and jumping to automatic negative rather than hope. And then the last bucket, uh, which I think is so important for us in the body of Christ to think about is over spiritualization Mm -hmm. we tend to this uh, we tend to focus just on a a quick spiritual answer oftentimes we we know scripture and maybe are applying a piece of scripture in a way that 
short circuits actually some of the practical steps before you apply that scripture in terms of recovery. So over-spiritualization. As, as God in Christ has forgiven you, you must forgive, right? Yes, and, or, then, and Romans eight twenty eight. Okay, this this is just going to be okay because God's going to work it together. I'm going to mm-hmm. keep moving. I, rather than address and call out sin and do the practical steps, we're short-circuiting with an over-spiritualization, right? And sometimes I think that over-spiritualization is another, like, self-protective mechanism. Yeah. Because like you said, part of this wife's own healing is going to have to be able to feel what she's feeling Mm -hmm. and be able to work through and process those feelings. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if, you know, your apple cart gets turned over and you don't want to necessarily look at all of the mess that this has, Mm -hmm. you know, brought into your life, it's sometimes easier than to just go to the platitudes and be over-spiritual. Yeah, and we, we we are spiritually strong in the church. We often know the Scripture and then we'll apply that as a piece of comfort, which is good and true, but again, it will be jumping to the spiritual principle rather than walking through the physical, practical accountability principles that lead to the application of, say, Romans 8.28. So as we have a, just a few minutes left, can we, can we talk about hope? Yeah. Where... As, as a wife is going through this book and maybe really, and one of the things I love about the book is there's a lot of uh, opportunities for real practical engagement with the book. Yep, there's, there's a flow chart for making, and things like yeah. that. So, so I think it it's something I really want to encourage wives that, that get this book to to take their time through it. It's not it's not something like a casual read on a Saturday. That It's like, no, this is something to help you process, yeah. you know, out. But let's talk about hope because I think that's a key element to I think the the healing mm-hmm. that can happen in a wife's life. And talk about hope in the context of uh, her personally, because I think sometimes hope gets so tied to whether or not the marriage survives right. that then if that's a if that is either herky jerky or even just falls completely apart. Mm-hmm. If if hope is so intrinsically tied to that, I think that that causes a wife to despair. Right. We even say to the men, I have a letter to men in here calling them to recovery that she can present to him, right, when she gets ready to intervene. And I say in this letter to men about hope, I say that um, nothing is more valuable than your integrity. Mm-hmm. And you can regain your integrity and... If you're only regaining your integrity for the sake of saving your marriage, if that is somehow the carrot you're chasing, and, and I'll, I'll have integrity if I keep this marriage, that um, short circuits a true recovery. And even to the wife, I would say that as well, is that that is a vastly scary thing. You're, it's like looking at the Grand Canyon to think for some wives that, that I might lose my marriage. But the scripture talks about how you gain your life is by losing it. When you count for loss, then you have the gain. The greatest possibility in hope and recovery is to say, I want to be healthy for me. Hopefully, that is also with you in marriage. Mm -hmm. I'm not forsaking my marriage, but I'm saying for the sake of my marriage, I'm going to be healthy as an individual. And if you're with me on that journey, that will be good work together. If you're not, I still have to live as a healthy human being. 
And I, again, I hope you're on that journey with me. You know, a husband or a wife in recovery has to say, I'm committed to my to being healthy because I have to be healthy whether you're with me or not. And I think it's important that both spouses realize that that hope, as it's defined for us in Scripture, when our hope is put in the assurance of God's truth and grace and His Word, that there is there's no downside to that hope. Now, you can look at your circumstances and try to find all kinds of downsides, but when our hope is placed in God, then whatever that journey looks like in the relationship, in your life, in your circumstances— there is a there's a solid firm foundation that is immovable and i think the the goodness that can pour out of that like you're talking about it's like i'm i'm going on this journey because it is where god wants me to go in terms of hope mm-hmm. and so therefore i think there's a contagion right to hope like it starts to it spreads out and and again the best chance for the other person to step into recovery is by seeing you being healthy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't guarantee it, but in a sense, as painful as it is, you're whether you're the husband getting into recovery or the wife getting into recovery, you're creating a win-win for yourself by saying, whether you're with me or not, I am going to be as healthy as possible. I may feel the loss if our marriage and the grief and all the consequences if our marriage doesn't uh, survive, but I still am going to be on a journey of sanctification myself, whether you're with me or not. So in that one sense, you're creating a win-win, mm-hmm. uh, even if the marriage is lost. Now, I want you to know, though, everything about this book is hopeful for the marriage, because mm-hmm. I believe that um, if a person so chooses a path of integrity, marriages, I mean, I've seen it, can be oh, yeah. saved and stronger than ever before. Now, it doesn't mean you're somehow second class if that doesn't happen with your right. marriage and that other person doesn't go on that journey. Yeah. Well, we, you know, we, we're out of time and obviously there's a lot more in, in the book here. Tell our listeners how they can get a mm-hmm. copy of this book and then just other information that would yep. help wives. Yep. Um, focusonthefamily.com slash aftershock, focusonthefamily.com slash, slash aftershock and Call us at Focus on the Family. If you're on this journey and you're looking for resources, obviously we point often to Be Broken Ministries and to other counselors that are trained around the country. We have a 1,000 counselors in our national referral network, Christian Counselors Network. The number is 1-855-771-HELP, 1-855-771-HELP. We do phone consultations um, 8 a.m. Mountain Time to uh, 5 p.m. Mountain Time, Um, and really just want to urge uh, folks to know that there is there's vision for mm-hmm. your marriage and we want to cast that vision and once you start the process of recovery yes there's a lot to slog through it's a journey but getting started that's what this book is about getting started on the right path defining what does a thorough recovery look like mm-hmm. not just some band-aid fix and when you do that, you can have a marriage that is not just put back where it was, but is restored to a stronger place than it was in the first place. I believe in that. Well, I really appreciate you and Joanne doing this work. And uh, Jeremy, it was great to have you on the program today. So thanks for being with us. Jonathan, real pleasure. So listeners, we're going to put all that information in our show notes so you can get the information about how to get the book, Aftershock, 
Um, uh, we really, and, and this is a, this is a book that we now, um, reference in our wives care ministry. So, um, we'd love to be able to, to get you connected with that, but we're always glad that you're with us and we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.